Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. This is the first part of our full episode with Philip Costa and Jan Willem Atteveld from Automation Boutique, where we will get to know more about RPAs, Robotic Process Automation. Philip Costa is the founder of Automation Boutique and an accomplished automation manager specialized in finance. Jan Willem is an expert in navigating tools like RPA, APIs, and AI, which, along with his extensive treasury experience, enables him to steer businesses toward optimization. In the episode of today, expect to learn what is automation to begin with, what does robotic process automation mean, how can we use an RPA and APIs, what is the difference between the two, what are the similarities, and like on ways, much, much more. Our conversation with Philippe and Jan Willem was actually really cool. Those two are doing things in the treasury space that we don't see everywhere. Plus, they have this no-nonsense approach that Hussam and I really enjoy. And we hope you will enjoy the episode too. If that is the case, and when you're thinking about how you found our podcast, chances are that it was through word of mouth, social media, or a recommendation from your favorite podcast platform. And this is our only request to you. The only way we can get more and more amazing guests and get more people to learn about treasury is thanks to you. So if you enjoy what you hear and maybe learn a thing or two, please consider following the show, leaving a review, or sharing this episode to help others discover it too. With all that being said, please welcome Philippe and Jan Willem. Guys, thank you so much for coming on the show. You guys are in the automation business, right? So that's that's what you guys do through and through. So I'm guessing you guys probably have a very good definition for automation just to get started. So how would you define automation? What does it encompass for you? Well, yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, we see automation a bit like a journey going from A to B, and you have a process, a set of tasks, and how can you make them more fluid, faster, easier, without errors, without manual intervention. And when going from A to B, we can see different ways of doing it. Like Just like if you want to travel, you can take the plane, you can take the bus, you can take the bike, you can take a combination. And with automation, we see it the same. And we try and see all the different tools and we try to apply the most suitable one. I don't know, Jan do you want to add? Yeah, yeah. So, well, when I think of automation, it's for me like uh, taking a job I have to do manually every time. Suppose uh, I need to water my plants every week. That's the job I tend to forget a lot. So for me, that's a great example of uh, a job you could potentially automate, like having a device detects detecting when the plant needs uh, to have water and preferably also giving it a bit of water. And that, pl- that job you can also apply in the, in the office. We are in the business of office automation. So we look at uh, what kind of work uh, is usually done in an office on a computer and we identify tasks that can be automated. And we are using different technologies to do that. And that's maybe uh, something we can uh, go into uh, a little bit later. Can everything be automated? Or is there certain criteria for things that can and cannot be? I think the short answer is no, or rather not everything should be automated, quite the opposite. In taking Jan Willem's example of the flowers, probably watering the flowers is something that you want to automate because you might forget and the flowers might die. But getting the flowers and giving them to your spouse, to your friend, and uh, giving them as as a gift, you don't want to automate that. You want to really enjoy the moment and get the most value from that. So that's something not to automate. 
this is a bit of a romantic example, but also in the business environment, there are some things where the you really you're hiring expert people, especially in the realm of treasury where we work, which are hard to find, and you're hiring them for a reason, and that is for them to use their brains and use their knowledge. And those are things that you don't want to automate. You don't want to automate those people away. The opposite, you want to automate the boring stuff so they stay and they give the most value to your team and to your organization. Yes, and also building in some levels of control in an automation that sometimes is very uh, useful. And even in, yeah, talking about corporate treasury, like you want to have some kind of four eyes principle so that there's always a human like uh, always approving certain uh, actions before they are taken. So th- yeah, we, we see it as a lot can be automated, a lot should be automated, but not everything. Yeah. Super clear. So take us into uh, what I think is more your specialty, right? Although you, I think you guys do all forms of automation, RPA, robotic process automation, seems to be what you guys do the most. What What is RPA for people that don't know? Yeah, well, robotic process automation is indeed one of the tools or one of the main tools that we apply. And the name can be confusing. So robotic, you might think physical robots is nothing like that. We work in, as the Ambilla mentioned, in office automation. So it's software. It's software robots that you can install either on local machine or virtual machine that you deploy on your environment. And the what these bots or robots or the software can do is mimic the same steps and tasks that a user can do on the screen. So for example, if I need to open Chrome, log into an application, copy paste data and then log into SAP and paste it there in the front end, the robot can do uh, all the same steps, uh, execute them the same way in a stable and reliable way. And depending on the software that you use, there are many vendors out there and we work with many, although we have our preference. The other big side of RPA is the ecosystem. And that, uh, I mean, different connectors and uh, different tools that you can use but also the whole framework that you need to have it rolled out in an enterprise environment. So you need to have audit trails, logging, security, who has done what, who has changed what, and all of this, depending on the vendor, comes out of the box and makes uh, the last mile automation part of a bigger automation journey, which is, yeah, part of uh, all these needs that the corporate would typically have. So how does that fit into the wider umbrella of automation then? So you mentioned... It's not physical automation. So it's not like the watering the plants, which would be a physical activity, right? So it's like a subset of automation specialized in software specifically. I imagine there's a lot of security because you said logging in. Like I was always told not to share my login information with anyone, right? Whatever company I've worked with. How does that work? Yeah, uh, that's that's right. Uh, Well, yeah, first of all, Robotic RPA or robotic process automation is one of the tools that you can use and you can use many others. So if you want to go from A to B, uh, you have many ways of doing it. And RPA is one of them, or at least for part of the journey is one of them. And some of the advantages you mentioned security, uh, storing your credentials and things like that. Well, we differentiate within two different uh, realms of RPA. One is what we call attended automation where the human and the robot interact or can interact with each other. The other one is unattended, where the robot is running on his own virtual machine separately and they're not really interacting with the humans. And we see these two actually not a black and white as a continuum. So often we will start with an unattended flow, where either, again, I need to go from A to B, but the the bot and myself are going together hand in hand. And if there is an exception, then the bot will come. In that case, I might log in with my own credentials, and then they have a really boring step of task, then I can ask the bot, hey, please take over from here. 
Uh, and this is typically something we uh, often need to do given some constraints. For example, logging into a bank portal, you might never want to have a bot do it, or it might be hard for a bot to do it because of two-factor authentication, these kind of things. So you might still want to have the attended flow. On the unattended flow, where you have the bots doing everything independently, so it might be scheduled or it might be at a given event. So if this happens, then trigger this, the, this bot. Uh, when it comes to credentials, for example, you would often have a vault or a credential storage where the bot has only the bot has access to those credentials. Uh, and you can even have the bot reset or set his own credentials independently every week, month, and so on. Uh, really making sure that you don't have the bot, for example, approve or like someone coming in and using the bot to approve his own payments outgoing. For example, you still won't have four ICE principles. And you want to make sure that, that no one has access to that bot to do any malicious things. So you could have a, a bot which whose job is to set his own password every week or every month so you, no one else will know except the bot itself. And the best you can do is stop the bot, but you cannot really use it in a malicious way. I hope this gives you a bit of a flavor of different ways. And, and the beauty of RPA compared to other tools is that they come with all these tools, these tools, parts that I mentioned for the enterprise, rolling out in an enterprise scope of credential storage, all the trails, lo uh, managing, logging, and all of that that I mentioned before. And uh, RPA can perfectly be used together with, for example, an AI model where the RPA does, uh, well, the, the necessary steps, which you told uh, the bot to do. But sometimes it requires a little bit of intelligence in order to interpret data, for example, uh, unstructured uh, data. So then an RPA bot can perfectly interact with an, an, an AI model or an API. So it's not an either or decision when uh, going to build out an, an automation, but you can use different automation technologies in order to get to a fully working uh, solution. Yeah, we usually uh, use a combination of different. So a few things here. First of all, you don't want the bot to approve its own payment for the bot not to retire in cyber paradise, right? That will be that will be what could happen in case you have a, <laughs> a robot starting to do malicious stuff. Because, so it's corporate treasury 101. We love to chase down acronyms, but just for the sake of clarity, bot would mean robot, right? That's, that's just basically an abbreviation of, RPA is an abbreviation of a first acronym, and then we have the bot for bot, for robot. Okay, super clear. You mentioned some um, some interesting um, words here, Philip. You, you mentioned a flow which is like attended versus unattended. What does that mean, attended versus unattended flow? Yeah, attended it would be a process or a flow or, or an automation. I always get these wrong, by the way, so I need to think. Attended is the one where the uh, human and the robot are interacting together. So you might have somewhat of a complicated task or not necessarily complicated, but a task which requires discretion. So, and by discretion, I mean judgment from a person that given the con context can interpret what will be the best course of action. And for that, you don't want to rely or you can't really rely on a bot. The bot is very good at following instructions. It can have, can follow many different scenarios, many different rules, can be as complex as you want, but they need to be predefined. Every time you have something which is a bit blurry or not predefined, it, de it depends on context, interpretation, uh, then the robot itself alone is not the best way. So you won't have it an interaction with a human. Uh, and that will be an attended flow. 
uh, an unattended flow is, depending on the process or on, on how far you want to automate things, would be a, a flow where the robot acts, acts completely independently. For example, one simple case we did not too long ago is fetching the FX rates from the uh, ECB, the European Central Bank. You want to do that every day at 9 o'clock. The robot will log in the ECB, fetch the rates, and then put them in in a few different legacy systems and maybe send them by email as well. You could also have an API do the same. The bot allows it to be done quite quickly and it can interact with an API. And then where the bot is really powerful, if you have a legacy system, really old system, for example, uh, where the only way to get the data in is by keying in the information, the bot can do that quite nicely. If it's a bit more modern application where it can also have and upload the functionality or another API, API to fetch data, the robot also can use the API to upload the data. And as Jan Willem mentioned, you can, uh, well, what we typically do between attended and unattended is we always, or we try to start with an attended flow with a new automation so that the people involved, they can get familiar and see the value of the bot and see it as a friend and not as an enemy. Uh, so you have a personal item to it as well and also fix any exceptions. And once the bot gets a bit more st uh, stable, then we move it to an unattended flow. And sometimes, as Jan Willem mentioned, maybe he can elaborate better as he is the AI expert of, of the two, we can replace the discretion of the human with an AI model. But that's really dependent, that's really something new uh, and has also a whole set of problems and issues. So we don't always recommend it as first step, quite the opposite. Uh, once uh, you get more familiar with the robot, how it works within your company, you could uh, move it to an unattended uh, robot, and then it can work when you are not at the office. Then uh, it can do uh, a part of the job for you already. When you when you arrive at the office, things have already been uh, been done. So that's uh, that's the great thing about uh, unattended automation. So uh, and there's, it's usually a choice. You have to see what works best for your company and the specific process. And that makes a lot of sense. We've had a few examples already of how we can use an RPA, but it was really corporate treasury oriented, which is good because we're on the corporate treasury 101 podcast. We will dive deeper into the usage of RPA in treasury a little bit later in this episode, but maybe to start with an example that is more um, relatable by anybody. Could you explain like how we, can we use an RPA in the first place? Like somebody who has never heard about it, that is not very familiar with any corporate treasury terms neither. How would you best describe, okay, this, this is how you could use an RPA, basically? Yeah, well, maybe I can use the first example, the first bot that I ever built five or six years ago. And there, the problem that I had was, well, it was within Treasury, but it's not necessarily restricted to Treasury. I had a bunch of PDFs with more or less the same template. And from those PDFs, I needed to extract information and put them in an Excel file to then process it. In my example were deal confirmation, so I had trade, currency buy, trade, uh, amount, date, and so on, but it could be any PDF that you get regularly. And that was a very boring and time-consuming job. So what we did, we had a robot do it. So we told the robot, get this PDF, convert it to text, look for the word trade amount, or it could be any word, and get anything after that. Copy it, put it in a table. Next word, copy it, put it in a table. And then we just loop it for all the files in a folder, and the robot gave us, well, we'll go through the PDF, get information, put it in a table and give us the output that, that we wanted. So very simple flow, but saved a lot of time and a lot of, yeah, 
errors as well, because when you're copy pasting and keying in, it's easy to make mistakes. And this would be an example of a potentially unattended flow uh, where you can just run it. You just know every day or every week you need to get all these PDFs and export them uh, to me. But the, the cases can be, yeah, there, there, there are so many you can have about logging into an application. Uh, I know, uh, for example, a friend, she was getting frustrated not being able to, to book a court for tennis uh, because you need to book one week in advance. It was taken up. So she has a little bot going every day, looking on the website of the tennis booking system at, I don't know, six o'clock in the morning, as soon as the time slots open and she'll book a court for herself. That's something you can do very easily, for instance. Is it legal? Can you do that? Yeah. Uh, probably not, but uh, yeah, we are not doing that. So <laughs> hypothetically, hypothetically, you could, yes. Um, in corporate treasury, we see that everything that is repetitive becomes a candidate to automate. Like, for example, we were talking to a, a large company uh, last week and they were extracting data out of their treasury management system, putting it in Excel and doing some, uh, some edits. And it was quite an error prone and time consuming process. So they asked us to look into automating that process where the robot goes into the treasury management system, extracts the data and put it in the right place in the Excel file. If that is always the ideal solution, we don't think so, but usually, well, sometimes you do not, do not have the flexibility or the technical capability to uh, reorganize your TMS in such a way that it will support your company specific process. So there, yeah, an RPA solution could be a great solution to save you time and, uh, and resources. Yeah, and it may be good to highlight that what we typically do in such a project, we won't go in and say, this part, you need RPA, quite the opposite. Maybe it's even more the times that we uh, recommend clients not to use RPA yet or not or to use something else. Uh, for instance, if you are having a lot of manual processes, but you don't have a TMS yet, and you are at the size or of a company and a complexity level of a company, then we would probably recommend maybe you should start looking into a TMS, for instance. But if you do have a TMS and you don't have an interface with another system, or as I mentioned, you're, you have a few use cases, you find people doing things manually in a very repetitive way, we would typically go have, in, uh, have a look. Often we would advise, or we, would, we would challenge, why do you need this in the first place? Sometimes you don't need it. Sometimes you can do a little tweak and then you can still go through the standard flows. Sometimes there is no other way than having, well, up to that point, a human do the copy-paste. And in that case, a bot can help a lot. And one advantage that we see in Treasury, and again, this is a bit weird, this was a bit surprising for us, is the big benefit in Treasury is that you don't necessarily need IT resources or IT resources at start to start your own RPA process. Programming it can be also relatively easy. If you have a bit of familiarity with, uh, with, with coding, there are a bunch of academies and a bunch of trainings that you could follow. So you could automate that, that task by yourself and have, uh, don't need to rely on IT or very skilled programmers to do it for you. Then there is a whole debate on, uh, and this would be called a, what we call a citizen developer. So not a professional developer, a citizen developer working. There are pros and cons on having citizen developers. There are pros and cons on setting up an RPA center of excellence, having a centralized or decentralized. But maybe this is, is for, for later or another time. But uh, it is, it is a, an option which yields a lot of benefits. But I guess you can only do it in places where you don't have that button that says, I'm not a robot, right? So <laughs> <laughs> those are in place specifically for RPAs or? 
not only scripts in general. But an RPA would fail at that step. Is that what we're saying? See, most of the time, though, sometimes. Because even when you're programming a bot, you have different flavors in which you can interact with the screen. One, some of them are much faster, uh, but then those will typically fail. Some of them a little bit slower. And then for these for the screen or the application, I'm not a robot, to detect that you're really not a robot, it will be a bit harder because it's, it is slower, but it's really more emulating how the user works. For instance, what, how you would do it as a human, you would drag your mouse, say, left to right, click on the button or, and whatever. The quick way of a bot will be identify the button which has this technical name, this control, and click OK without scrolling the mouse and clicking on it physically. But you can also emulate the scrolling and clicking, which, again, makes it slower, but it gives us some success. But luckily in Treasury, there are not many cases where we need to do the I'm not a robot. And this is also a bit of a game of catch-up. Like every time, the, every year, the bots are getting smarter and then the, uh, the captchas are uh, improved again. So it's, uh, it's a bit of a game. I'm guessing this can be applied across any industry, right? Are there any industries that are much more, let's say, RPA-friendly and others which are less? Like, how does the, the market split up generally? I think in principle, not. You're, you're right in saying that uh, RPA could be a applied or you could find repetitive, standardized, time-consuming processes across industries and across departments. We do see that the finance departments or treasury departments uh, are often one of the early adopters in, in, in industry or in, in, a, in, a, in a corporate. I think within industries, I really cannot pinpoint, I really cannot see an, uh, a difference. We have clients in the oil and gas, luxury, uh, automotive. We have clients, although banking. So that I don't think really makes a difference. But uh, we do see that uh, finance uh, or treasury departments have often a, a kickstart. And the reason why we think that is, uh, we've actually asked ourselves, why, why is it? I think because those are departments where typically it's hard to find people uh, with skills, you don't want to waste their time. They have often the knowledge, uh, the understanding that there must be a better way and they have the budgets to execute. Maybe other departments, they have it a little bit harder, uh, where maybe they're a bit less tech savvy or they don't have the budgets, they don't have you know, the will uh, to, to start an RPA or an automation project in, in, in general. And given our background in treasury and finance, and our interest in technology, we found we, we decided to focus as automation boutique on treasury and finance processes, which yeah helps us and hopefully helps the clients as well. While you're talking through all of that, right, like the steps and everything, I think most people could probably relate better to like Excel macros. So, like, is that similar? Is it the same thing? What's how would you relate RPA to Excel macros? Yeah, we see them very similar uh, in a way and yet very different. But you can think of RPA as Excel macros on steroids with superpowers. So Excel macros work really well uh, if you're in the domain of Excel uh, or Microsoft in general, uh, and you can do really a lot. We've done really, really cool projects, even automating Excel and uh, SAP, for example, you can do it with VBA macros. You don't need a, a bot. What you are lacking with Excel Micros, though, is the whole ecosystem, which I was mentioning at the beginning uh, of, uh, of this podcast, of, of this session. So the whole audit trail, the whole maintenance, who's doing what, and what if, say, I do a really cool macro, and then I leave the company, then what? 
you might have the same error issue with a bot, but typically if you're doing an RPA project, you would have a development environment, a test environment, a production environment. You have different people taking care of the maintenance. You, you have written the code, you have done release notes, you have done things properly. Everything is there to do things properly. Whereas with a macro, that's a bit harder. Uh, and one last thing, we often or sometimes still use macros for a certain part of the process. And then we have a robot uh, interacting with that macro. Macros are great within Excel if you need to do a few things within an Excel file. Or if you have, a, for example, queries in Excel, we use that a lot. We use Power Query in Excel, which is also another hidden gem. And it will be very time consuming and risky for us to automate those steps with a bot in RPA. It will be clunky. Whereas if we do it in the Excel, in the realm of Excel, with a query with a macro, we can immediately give it to the client, say, try it out. Is this what you want? If not, they can either tweak it themselves or we can tweak it for them, but they can start using it immediately, getting benefit. And once that's working, then we can plug in a robot, which will interact with that and then automate the end-to-end -end journey. So we are really quite practical and we see RPA as one of the tools that we use. Today, we're focusing on that, but it becomes so much more powerful if you have it interacting with other tools, automation or non-automation related tools as well. Just to clarify a few points, so VBA, that's Visual Basic, right? That's the programming language Excel's written in, just to, just to be sure. Uh, yes, I think the acronym, as you could tell, I'm not the expert, but I think it's Visual Basic for Applications. Uh, and that was a flavor of VBA started, I guess, in the 90s for uh, Excel. Well, it's very popular within Microsoft, so Excel, Word, PowerPoint, I think even Outlook, they have their VBA flavor. So it's similar syntax, slightly different dialect or libraries available. So, but you make a super interesting point for the, the case for our PAs there, which is um, if you do something in like an Excel or in VBA, sorry, or in a macro, right? Um, that's usually uh, user access specific. So it's on that person's Microsoft account. Whereas an RPA would be separately hosted, meaning it would sit independently of whoever made it. So even if that person leaves the company or the Microsoft account doesn't exist anymore, or their laptop's just not switched off, uh, it can still run, right? Yeah, that's one of it. And, and so much more, right? It's not only where it's located, it's also how it's managed. Uh, the whole life cycle of that automation is handled in, in a better way. But I mean, that's just a process, right? I mean, the person, your friend who made an RPA for booking tennis courts didn't write a user manual about how to do it, right? Allegedly, sorry. Uh, so she, so you can you could probably apply that same process to macros as well. People just usually don't. Yes, because you unless you really enforce it, you don't really have the ecosystem set up to do it. And some companies do where you have any custom automation, you need to put it in the registry, you need to will be logged in your, by your risk management department or IT department and cataloged. But I see them very often. But I think, Yavidam, you wanted to mention something. Yeah, I think even in terms of use cases, like uh, with, with Excel macros or Power Query, you uh, are confined to stay within the Excel environment. Whereas uh, if we yeah, top-down look at, okay, what needs to be automated, what process, then yeah, RPA offers a lot of more possibilities because we can basically interact with any application, web applications, desktop applications, uh, ERP systems, etc. So it offers a lot of more uh, yeah, flexibility and possibilities. 
Yeah, that is true. And uh, what you mentioned before, one huge use case is interacting with APIs, for example. So one benefit is it, we said robots can replicate what humans do, but it can also do things that humans cannot do. So making an API call to the ECB or to uh, Google Maps or whatever to get a, to, you make a call at, and then you get something back in a, in a quick way. Humans cannot do that so easily. Whereas a, even a non-expert developer can do that very easily in RPA. And one last benefit is if I were to show a piece of code to a manager or non-tech, someone not super technical of in VBA and explain what that code does, I can, but it will take quite a while to go through line by line or to explain what is happening. In many or most RPA um, solutions vendors, they will have what is called low-code programming available. So you really see different building blocks in a bit more visual or visually uh, appealing graphics, and you can really see different blocks of code, what they're doing. It's a bit more like, yeah, playing with Lego in a way. You have different chunks doing different things. And if I need to explain that to someone, they will be able to follow much easier because not just line of, of text, line of code in an editor. Very clear. Thanks a lot for that, Philip and Jan-William. That's, that's super, super clear. 